Let's sing the joy of the Lord as we begin and sing a couple verses. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord gives more grace, but resists the proud. The Lord gives more grace, but resists the proud. The Lord gives more grace, but resists the proud. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay. Um, this, is, uh, this has become a pattern. It's not by design, but it's just become a pattern where we rarely get through these in one week. It's like we cover about three-quarter, even a little bit more of the lesson, but don't quite get into the meat of the scriptures. But we cover a lot of stuff, we have a good discussion, and then the second week, we get into the scriptures more, and uh, I always go over it again, and I, the Lord brings some other things, so I add a little bit to it. So that's where we are this week. This is the second week through this lesson. This is chapter three of the concluding section of the book. And the title was, Every Good Thing Secularists Argue For Comes from the Bible. So, I'll go through this and fill in the blanks for those who weren't here last week, for good reason. But we're glad you're back. Four of you, anyways, I'm thinking of specifically. Okay, so, as we've seen uh, throughout the study in this book, um, secular arguments are simply opinions without authority. Their opinions without authority. Uh, the secular worldview hypocritically demands a specific response that's intolerant of others. But letter A, because their worldview cannot account for the standard, that's in quotes, that they're claiming, secularists con- constantly borrow from the biblical worldview to argue against the Bible. All right, so your first blank on top there is authority, opinions without authority. Then letter A, because the worldview cannot account for the standard they're proclaiming, they're claiming secularists constantly borrow from the biblical worldview to argue against the Bible. Then letter B, exposing secularism's inconsistencies, hypocrisy, hypocrisy and arbitrary, arbitrary nature are potent refutations of that worldview. We can, we can kind of argue that way, pointing out those inconsistencies. We've done that quite a bit through this study. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, letter C, pointing out where we agree, where we agree with the secularist can be equally powerful, uh, which you might be surprised about. Should we? How can we agree with a secularist? Well, when you drill down past the emotionalism, log- logical fallacies, and bad argumentation, typically, number one, typically at the core of their argumentation is an appeal to some biblical principle, some biblical principle with which we wholeheartedly agree. And you have a topic there, uh, a table there, 
where we kind of discuss this, and we won't turn to the passages. I might read a couple of them here. Um, for example, in abortion, they, they would argue that women are equal and to be valued and respected. Well, according to Genesis one twenty seven, that says that male and female are both created in God's image, we as Christians would fully agree with that, that women are equal, different roles, but they're of equal value and to be respected. So we would agree there. Euthanasia, the same thing. They would say humans are worthy of dignity and mercy. All humans are, again, because we're made in the image of God. Uh, uh, this, similarly with uh, LB, uh, whatever, BLT writes, uh, all humans are worthy of care, love, and fair treatment. Again, Genesis one twenty-seven, And I did add to that Matthew uh, 7.12. You might want to add Matthew 7.12 as a reference there, where Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So we want to treat people as we would have them treat us. That doesn't mean agreeing with their sin. We wouldn't want people agreeing with our sin. We know that's not right but we still give them care, love, and fair treatment. Um, Okay, and then social justice. Uh, Justice is good and right. We would agree with that. But again, what is your standard for that justice? And we covered uh, Psalm Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Uh, Proverbs 1.3 talks about to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And uh, Proverbs 21.3 says, To do righteousness and judgment and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So justice is important to God. It should be important to us as well. It is good and right. But again, what is your standard? Where are you getting justice from? And then finally, uh, environmentalism, the earth is to be valued and cared for. Uh, We agree with that. Again, God gave us dominion. He created man in his own image. He gave us dominion over the earth, the animals of the earth and the earth itself. So yes, we, we should take care of the earth. So we agree with these principles. But number two, what we disagree with is the twisting, the twisting and misapplication of the given principle. Biblical principle. Okay, then Roman numeral number two. Showing the secularist that he has good reason to be passionate for a a particular principle is a powerful argument against secularism and for biblical truth. And the reason for that is it shows, letter A under that, it shows the unbeliever that the principle they love does exist, but it only comes from God. He is the source of that principle. They don't realize it, but he is. Uh, In fact, he defines the principle, he made it, and it's only rightly realized within a biblical framework. Their their actual worldview has no rational basis for the values that they claim to Hold high. Okay, then letter B. The unbeliever's awareness of a truth, of a truth, misapplied as it may be, shows the morality and conscience, conscience given them by their creator. And we looked at Romans chapter two, 
Um, there, where it talks about, where it says, for Gentiles, uh, Romans 2.14, when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness. So that it is interesting, isn't it, when we see these things, really, when you get to the core of why they're making the arguments they are, the principles they're basing it on actually are pretty good principles, but they don't know where it's coming from. They don't give God the credit for it. They don't link up Scripture to, to that. They believe it's right somehow, but they don't really know why. So ultimately, letter C, ultimately, this is where we ended. We did look at, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. But it says, ultimately, the reason the unbeliever doesn't make the connection to his passion to the, uh, of his passion to the Bible is because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to or does not want to. So go ahead and turn there to, uh, to Romans chapter 1. Okay, um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It would be interesting if I would have counted the number of times we've read that verse through this study, but it's been a lot. We've read it a lot. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. I'll leave it there. Um, Again, verse 21, they knew God. There's a sense in which they knew of the true God. They didn't maybe, they didn't have a personal relationship with him, but they knew of him. They understood him, that there was a God, that there are these standards that matter. But they didn't, they, 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 again, they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. They wanted to go their own way. I did add another verse since last week to that, this. And if you would, um, Add to the references there, John chapter 3. And this is carryover from Wednesday night. When we shared it, we talked about light. Um, God being the source of light, he divided the light from the darkness and so forth. So turn, if you would, to John chapter 3. Um, we'll start at the point that's very familiar to many of us. Um, chapter 3, we'll start at verse 16 with the good news. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But then again, back to the good news, verse 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Wow, that is packed with some good stuff, isn't it? Um, again, the, these work, if we come to the light, we realize that, that the works have been done in God. God did the works that allow us to not be condemned anymore. And that's wonderful news, too, in verse 17. Sometimes, I don't know, I have, just kind of read over that, don't think it through very much, but for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. As we read through, you realize the world is condemned. Jesus didn't come to condemn it. It's already condemned. But he came that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. Is he going to condemn ultimately? Yes. But that wasn't his purpose for coming. He came to earth as a man to die for us so that we would be saved. But again, the point there on letter C is they don't make this connection with the Bible because they don't want to. They love the darkness rather than the light. Okay, I'm going to pause. I've been, I've just been ramming through that. Any, any comments on that new addition we just put in there? Yeah, or whatever. And it's and uh, and there's nothing new in the sense that it's um, taking some truth and then twisting it. It's not it's not like total lie. It's like they'll take some truth and then they'll twist it into a lie. So it's subtle often, and uh, I'm sure many of you, all of you. There's not. A, I, I'd be amazed if there's a single one of you who doesn't know some really good people who aren't Christians. The people who just seem so dear, so loving, give the shirt off their back, help you in any way, caring, compassionate, but they don't. So, so that's subtle in a sense. And you know, um, you know, I had one of my, my. I had two older sisters, and the younger of the two, she was like that, at least to me. She was a very special person. She died 10, over year, 10 years ago from cancer, but, and she never did, as far as we know, trust Christ. She, she was adamant against Christianity. I mean, she was nice to us. She didn't give us a hard time, but from a philosophical point of view, she, didn't, she wouldn't believe it. So, but but it's, it, it can be subtle, because you can look at somebody like that and say, oh, but they're so nice. Oh, that's okay. They'll, they'll go to heaven or something. But... But we know God's, as we say over and over again, God's word is true. It's the only thing we can count on for sure. 
Again, the whole idea of justice. Justice demands that sin and evil be condemned, be done away with forever. It it demands it. So um, there's a verse I can't think of right off the bat where basically God is glorified through him judging the world as well. That, that, That brings glory to God when evil and sin is judged. But you're, you're right. We can't, we can't ignore that. He is a God of love, of unbelievable love. Yes, absolutely. But, but he is going to judge. And, we, and, and, and it, that seems, that's innately right to us, too, really, that evil be judged and condemned. Okay, so, letter, Roman numeral three. The secularist may be motivated by what are actually biblical principles, but misses out on true wisdom, which is based on obeying God's word and Jesus Christ himself. Turn, if you would, to Psalms, book of Psalms uh, 111. And then then we're going to go somewhere else. Let's see. Psalm 111, and verse, uh, what do I have? Verse 10. And this is found multiple, this kind of, this phrase here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Now, this is interesting. Uh, okay. You notice, I think, in uh, at least in three of your versions, the King James, New King James, and the, and the New American Standard, the, the His Commandments is in italics. It's not literally in the, in the text. It's, it's added for understanding. Uh, but one commentator put, basically in the Hebrew Bible, I guess, in the margin, it says, to do them. To do them. And he said that, that would be those things connected with the fear of the Lord. <laughs> that is to obey God. So it's, it's pro- certainly a proper application to say to do his commandment. Good understanding have all those who do his commandments or do them. Do things connected with the fear of the Lord in wisdom. Obey God. Uh, with that in mind... Thinking about obeying him, keeping his commandments. And this is not something I had planned, but it got added this week. <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy, you can add there if you would, Deuteronomy chapter 8. You need to say all of Deuteronomy chapter 8, basically. But let's turn to that. And this is in the midst of, of uh, Moses, as directed by God, giving these commandments to the people of Israel. I'm having problems finding Deuteronomy. Here we go. Got it. It's a pretty big book. I don't know how I could have skipped past it so many times. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're not going to read the whole chapter. That would take a little long, but I do want to hit hit the highlights and keep it all in context. Um. Okay, starting in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Saying again, um, 
This is Moses, led by God, commanding the people of Israel here. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Um, well, okay, verse 2, And you shall remember the Lord your God, that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That's something that's, that's lost a lot of times when we think about keeping the commandments. Like, it's just a bunch of rules, you know, paper and whatever, parchment, whatever, all these rules written down that we need to, that we need to follow. But it's not so much following a bunch of rules, but what's in our heart, whether we want to keep his commandments. Uh, Then uh, skip up to verse 6. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. That's again, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but we want to walk in his ways. That's part of what fearing him is about, is realizing he is the holy, righteous God, and we should fear him, we should follow him, we should walk in his ways. Okay, then verse 10 says, when you, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he be, has given you. Verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds, your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and so forth. Continuing on in in that theme, verse 17 Again, if we're forgetting the Lord our God, verse 70, then you shall say in your heart, my power in the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Uh, so again, you don't want that to happen. You don't want to forget the Lord, but remember him so that in verse 18, and or but, some of the versions would begin this, but um, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that you shall surely perish, as the nations which, which the Lord destroys you uh, destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And boy, as I was going through Deuteronomy there, there's all kinds of good stuff in there that we could read, but I just isolated it there to that in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Again, the point is, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that should lead us to want to walk, to obey him, to walk, to keep his commandments, and to not forget all that he has done for us. Every one of us have gone through this, right? I mean, we haven't gone through the exodus from Egypt, but this, somehow we've gone through our own personal exodus, okay, from sin to righteousness through Christ. He, he's made it all possible for us. He's given us everything. And uh, 
and we know we know that we forget that sometimes, but we know that. But we want to um, when we stop and, and step back a little bit and think for unbelievers again they have they don't see this they don't have God in their in their mirror so to speak realizing how God has been with them in their past providing for them but there's part partly it's because they don't want to okay but we can thank God that we have that um he is he's helped us to see that okay any questions or comments on that i need to regroup okay turn to um proverbs 1 chapter 1 proverbs chapter 1 we're going to see that phrase again, basically, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1, 7, right? That's what I got down there for you. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 1, 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The other one says it's the beginning of wisdom. Here this says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But... Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, they, 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 don't, they don't want to see what the Bible has to say, but the only way really that we get real wisdom is to fear the Lord and to understand knowledge of him, to gain knowledge of him. And then finally, as I said in, the, in your bullet there, Obeying the God's word in Jesus Christ Himself. Turn to Colossians chapter into the New Testament. Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verse. Uh, well, I'm going to start start in verse one. Paul writing to the Colossians, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, verse 3, in whom, speaking of Christ here, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then I I didn't actually plan to do that, but verse 4 says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, deceive you from anything outside of Christ. Thinking you can gain anything better than what Christ has to offer. Don't be deceived by them. Okay, so letter Roman numeral three. Uh, okay, I read that. Letter A under that. Immeasurably, okay, <laughs> superior is a word I put in there. Okay, immeasurably superior or better, better than or superior to the secularist worldview is finding the truth, wisdom, and salvation that is in Christ. We see there from the, the, the one, oh, that's good. You're in Colossians chapter 2. That's convenient. So we just saw in verse 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's nothing better than the wisdom and knowledge that can be found in Christ. And so we also have salvation in Christ. But look at this. Again, it said in verse 4, we just read that. Now, lest anyone should deceive you by persuasive words, look at verse 8. It says there in, in Colossians 2, 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit 
according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I don't know about you guys, but as I was reading this and thinking this through a little bit, it's almost like he feels, and we should in a way, feel sorry for the world that doesn't know Christ. Because, and and, and uh, just because they're missing out, even in terms of earthly blessings, just having an awareness of our Savior, of God and his love for us, and all he provides us. But that's what people, the secular world would want to do, is cheat us through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men. And these are traditions that are made by men, okay, without God. Um, and then finally, turn to Philippians, okay, so just... Go towards the front of your Bible, the next, next book back, towards the front of the Bible, Philippians chapter 3. And this is really powerful, Paul expressing how important, how, how, how precious knowledge of Christ and a relationship with Christ is. Again, as letter A says, immeasurably superior to the secularist worldview. Um, Okay, I'm going to start in verse 3, and we'll kind of push through this to get the context. This is Paul, again, writing to Philippians. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the, in the flesh, I more so. He's speaking in a, uh, what's the word? He's not boasting here. He's kind of using this as an example, but it's true about him because he said, if, if anyone's going to boast in the flesh, I can. Verse 5, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He thought that was a good thing at that time. <laughs> okay, Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He was obedient to the law, in letter, but verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss, all things loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ." And then, and then, can't really leave out verse nine here. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. He had already followed the law, but that didn't provide him righteousness. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. There's nothing more valuable. We all know that. But hopefully it's kind of like, I feel like we've kind of gone full circle, starting here with the secularist argument, the arguments they make. The point is, they're all based on principles that are biblical. They just twist them, take God out of the picture, misapply them, 
and make a mess of things. Okay? But, but Jesus Christ, I just love what Paul says there in Philippians. Is he counts it all loss except for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Hope, hope we can keep that perspective in whatever we do, whatever our life leads us to, through. Okay, I'm just kind of a concluding statement he makes there is the author. It says, although the secularist worldview cannot account for the real thing, the, the principles they, they're motivated by, the Bible can. The good thing, the principle that resonates in the secularist does exist, just not in his worldview and not for his purpose. It exists in the only true reality, God's reality. He says, the unbeliever either needs to stop stealing from the biblical worldview or get saved. <laughs> and we're praying for the latter. We're praying that they, they get saved. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's tell them. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we do again thank you for your word. God, we do delight in it that when we read these things that Paul wrote in Colossians and Philippians about the wisdom that's in Christ and to not be deceived by the, the rudiments of the world, as it were, and that there's nothing more valuable than, than Christ, knowing him. Help us to remember that. Help us to make that real in our own lives that we in turn would walk in a way that pleases you and honors you. We do pray for the blessing, your blessing upon the service to come. And all that we do, be with Alan as he brings your word. Mighty, we hear as he's empowered by your spirit. We'd hear truth and be motivated by your truth and the right perspectives from, from the scripture to honor you as well. We ask these things all in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.